Welcome to the Unbranded Podcast with Miss Dean Loves You, where we have interesting conversations with interesting people and learn about unconventional ways to live our best lives. I'm your host, Susie Dean. I'm a former teacher, mother in her MILF era, and wife. I have the incredible experience now of exploring topics and ways of living that I've always been curious about. The conversations on this pod are always relaxed, authentic, and might just teach you a thing or two. I promise that every episode will leave you with a deeper sense of self and understanding for those who are different from you. So get comfy cozy, grab a drink of your choice, and let's have some fun together. Are you ready for a therapy experience that will knock your socks off? Introducing BetterHelp the online therapy platform that's revolutionizing the way we connect with therapists. Let me tell you, I found my own therapist, and she is an absolute queen. Her name is Regina, and she's completely transformed my life. Gone are the days of expensive and inconvenient therapy sessions. With BetterHelp, you can access affordable and convenient therapy from the comfort of your own home. Trust me, I've been there. My last therapist was amazing, but the cost was through the roof. With BetterHelp, I found the perfect fit, and it won't break the bank. Now let me tell you why I'm obsessed with Queen Regina. Every session is like a journey of self-discovery. She challenges my thoughts, she digs deep, and she uncovers those hidden issues that I never knew existed. It's like a mind-reading magician unraveling the mysteries of my own psyche. But it's not just about uncovering the deep stuff. It's about growth. With Regina by my side, I just know I'm on the cusp of something incredible. A second spiritual awakening, a transformation that will rock my world. And Regina is there right in the middle of it all, catalyzing my journey like no one else could. BetterHelp gives you access to a vast network of licensed therapists, each with their own unique specialties. So whether you're seeking help for anxiety, depression, or relationship issues, you'll find the perfect therapist who truly gets you. And here's the best part. If you don't vibe with your therapist, no worries. You can easily switch without any penalties or awkward conversations. Queen Regina is my second therapist with BetterHelp. BetterHelp understands that finding the right fit is crucial for your mental well-being. So are you ready to find your very own Queen Regina? Don't miss out on this life-changing opportunity. Visit the link in the show notes to start your journey with a licensed therapist from BetterHelp today. Remember, your mental health deserves the best. And with BetterHelp, you're just one click away from a transformative therapy experience. Start your journey now and unlock the incredible potential within you. Visit the link in the show notes and let the magic begin with BetterHelp. Kate, will you introduce yourself to us? How might people know you? So my name is Caitlin, but you can call me Kate. I am most well known on TikTok for sharing controversial or banned children's books. And I'm also an educator and parent. What? So did you recently go back into teaching? Yes. Um, I taught in the public school space for like a year in person. And then COVID hit and I switched to online. And then that transformed to me teaching for a school. So now I teach kindergarten outside. You teach at a forest school? 
Yes, it's my forest school. Can you can you tell me all about that? I would love for my child to have that experience. It is it's amazing. And it's so cool to get to see kids just be kids and be able to move their bodies. Like we're still learning everything we need to learn. I'm still sticking like pretty closely to what you would learn in public school. So it's not just like um what is that called? Like child-led teaching where they kind of um so it's still you're still getting all the information but it's just in an outdoor setting most of the time unless there's lightning like we're outside so even if it's snowing the kids are in snow suits and we're outside can you explain to us what forest schooling forest school is is it just as simple as it sounds is it just school outside what's like the philosophy behind it um, it's going to depend on what school you choose. Um, some people call it nature school. Um, some people call it play school, uh, just depending on where they're doing school. In my case, I'm in the middle of the woods, so it truly is like a wilderness-based school. Um, but mine in particular is a combination of quite a few different education styles. So I'm taking what I've learned as a public school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had my current mentor is a Waldorf teacher um, from Guatemala. And their take on the Waldorf process is um, not like rooted in white supremacy, where like that has kind of been co-opted here. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just kind of. I don't know it's just different and the kids are fully immersed in everything you're doing and they're still allowed to be creative so it's taking like some of that as well and I would say like some Montessori stuff slips in there too so I recently posted um a reel about my desire to you don't have an Instagram right I do it's just it's just oh, TikTok won't let me um link it in my bio like, it's, like, gives me an error, and so I just don't, I don't care. Okay, uh, well, I'm going to have to find you. It's, uh, it's, you can call me underscore Kate. Okay. Um, And it's the same profile picture I have on TikTok, but I just, I think I have, like, maybe 600 followers there, so that's very disproportionate. Right. But I also haven't put in the effort to try okay. over there, so... Well, that's fair. Well, I posted a reel the other day about all of the reasons why I want to and hope to homeschool or just like not in public school. My child, um, I feel like schools are not safe. I didn't feel safe in school when I was teaching. Parkland happened right down the street from my school. My first year, I had students that knew the shooter. I had students that knew victims. The amount of code reds that we've had to go through. We had two bomb threats my last two weeks of school before I quit. Um, And it's, I mean, I don't think any child should have to go through that amount of stress. And then also so much, at least in Florida, so much autonomy is being stripped away from teachers. There's no, the trust in teachers is being taken away and the things that they can do to facilitate an inclusive and comfortable and safe 
environment for students to optimally learn is being also stripped away from them. They can't do that anymore. So I feel like with those factors, my son won't have the learning experience or the educational experience that I think that he deserves and that he could have. So I and a lot of other people am interested in alternatives, but something that comes up a lot is the finances around it or the ability to put their child in a in a school system or like this. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the pricing and the scheduling and how maybe someone would be able to integrate this into their lives? So I would say if you're going to go the forest school route, there are going to be programs where it's going to be a large enough group that the price will be reduced. Um, If not, a lot of them are licensed as daycares, technically, or they're like a day school. And so all of these different types of schools or programs you have have different licensure. Um, So it's just going to depend. The situation I'm currently in is it's pricey to attend my current situation. I would love to reach a point where I can hire other staff, like other teachers, to have a full Mm -hmm. like school with a permanent building. Like, I think that would be really cool. Um, And then become approved through Colorado as a um, kickstart. So we have universal pre-K now in Colorado, which is awesome. I feel like you and I are in totally different climates when it comes to the political spectrum. Um, Yeah, so that's really hard. I talk about Florida a lot on in my videos uh, because your state is primarily the one banning books so whereas here even when I was in a public school situation I could read whatever I wanted to and it was never an issue but I also have had quite a few kids who've had parents who are part of the LGBTQ plus community uh-huh so it was just representing families that they were already familiar with yeah whereas this whole the whole sharing books that make people upset stemmed from the fact that I have a lot of conservative people in my personal life, like my family. I grew up in Oklahoma. Okay. So all this got started because I was sharing books privately that I was reading to my daughter. And then I would get messages from people that I knew or went to high school with that were like nasty. So I thought it'd be funny to share it. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you took that, that that was your response because I would have immediately been so fired up but you turned it into just so this comical and that's like beautiful and so many people could benefit from that I I don't know I think I just have really thick skin okay and I feel very strongly about the things that I believe in Mm -hmm. and I've come to find especially with like the far right getting into it with them and giving into like the emotional side of it kind of like gives them fuel and it does, it's not productive. Um, so I try to just like slip in things in conversations So I'm like, oh, like, what do you think about this? And then you kind of bring them around. Yes. To your point of view. I mean, right. 
their opinion at all, but it kind of gives them a different perspective in a yes. way that they might be open-minded to. Yes. So when you started doing this on on TikTok, how were like how were you gathering the books and choosing the books that were controversial? Because I mean that would be that would be really easy for me now in my state with the list of books that I'm not allowed to do, but it it sounds like there's so many books that you and I would read and would not sing twice about that other people are just up in arms about. You're trying to trying to groom our kids or I don't know, brainwash them. I've been accused of brainwashing. Lots, lots. Have you ever read a... I find it hard to believe that there are any or very many books that are explicitly harmful to children. I know. And, like, I think people are not realizing that, like, these books, like, span the spectrum of zero to 18 years old. And I try to give the disclaimer all the time that, like, this is for this age range. Right. And at this point, it would be developmentally appropriate for you to share this information. So, I don't know. What do you think has been, like, what is the biggest problem that people have? Is it... that you've seen like what is the biggest driving force or the biggest anger is it showing different types of families or is it more of like the gender inclusivity anything anything under the umbrella of lgbtq plus anything it could be just showing a book where they're not even talking anything like explaining that oh like you know riley has two daddies it's just a story like any other story uh-huh. of like a family going to like on a hike or whatever. And it just happens to be two moms. That is inherently yeah. an issue for a lot of people. They feel like it is encouraging their kids to, you know, be gay, live that lifestyle or whatever. When in fact, we're just showing all types of families. And then I'll share books that talk about intersectionality and yeah. people get really defensive about that. Um, which again, I don't know. I'm not, I I know that that is rooted in typically in like conservative Christianity. Right. And you've, you've spoken a lot about your healing from destruction. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, I I could have like, I could have like added that. We have actually so much to talk about. We can just make it a series where we just like unpack all I think that so many people would benefit from that. Just trauma dump on everyone. It's fine. <laughs> like, but then I can also share like what I learned in therapy to counteract it. Okay. Yeah. So we'll I see talk about this off air. It's great. Great. Um, okay. So let's back up a little. Let's like s- separate ourselves. Okay. What do we know? And I think that this is obvious, but what do we know about the benefits of children, middle schoolers, teens being exposed to books where there are characters who have two dads or two moms? It's important for them to know that even if they're currently not accepted for who they are, 
that there are people outside of their, you know, inner circle, outside of their families that are going to love them, that do see them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main reason I share these books is because LGBTQ plus youth are killing themselves at a significantly higher rate than any other demographic at that age. And it's largely because they're not accepted by their families. Oh my God, that's the most devastating. One like as a mom, can you imagine? Like, I can't imagine my daughter coming to me and telling me like, this is who I am and who I love. And then me telling her that like, I don't love her or that like, I don't accept her. Like, I can't fathom that. The thought of it brings me to tears. I've cried about it before. Uh, I think it's disheartening that we could have an opportunity to make our children feel safe, included, valued, and loved, um, but we're not because of ridiculous fears that being exposed to these types of families or individuals is going to automatically make us the same way. I I grew up, um, I grew up in the church, but I was also like in a very liberal family and I was exposed to gay people, nudist people, um, very hippy-dippy people, very, very like goth people. And throughout it all, I was still a very preppy, straight, cis girl. There was never any rubbing off on me or, hmm, maybe I just want to do this because that just wasn't it, you know? No, absolutely. We actually have the opposite experience because I was, like, shielded from all of that growing up. Um, It never occurred to me that... You could be with a woman, as a woman. And so even though I was sheltered from that, I grew up to be a bisexual woman. Okay. Oh. Oh. And like, so, you know, wasn't exposed to anything that like influenced my childhood in that way. It's just who I am as a person. But I just didn't know it was an option then. So. So let's make this a little bit more broad. I I think that it's important and I want to have books that are diverse for my son to read that I will read to him so that when he starts interacting um, in school or with other kids and like learning words in English, he is more, he's empathetic and he's understanding and he hears someone having two moms and is like, dope. So how how do you engage um with people in a sensitive manner in and in a mature manner about these books and because i i know that a lot of people will see these books and whether it's the title or whether it's the way that people are talking about it on fox news they think it's the worst thing in the world and people are teaching our children about sex and nonsense how What are some ways that you found that help with having constructive conversations around these books with people that have been conditioned or told to believe that they are dangerous? 
I would say a few years ago that I was pretty combative, um, which makes for good content and makes for kind of like a funny back and forth. But as the years progressed, I've just figured out that like counteracting, especially the people who have super extreme views on a children's book, <laughs> um, just kind of literally either like showing them the book or telling them about like, hey, here's here's what's in it. It's not this like scary thing that you think it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that we are miscommunicating and jumping to conclusions before we actually know what it's about. So I try to reason with people and I try to say, hey, this, you know, it is what it is. Um, and if they're just unwilling to hear about it or if they throw back like the Bible at me, um, that always backfires on them because I will... I can re I can repeat scripture to them. Like I was so in it my whole life that I'm like, well, my biggest issue is that I was raised to be like Jesus and to love like Jesus. And I was under the impression like that's what we'd been doing this whole time. <laughs> and then I became an adult and then I was like, oh my God, this isn't how most people are. And it felt almost like a betrayal because my parents had modeled for us like you take care of people right. and you show up for people and you keep your word and it was really it was really interesting to kind of have the blindfold pulled off and to get out of my own bubble and have my worldview expanded um and I just couldn't stay anymore it, we just I my morals and values just did not align with the church the mainstream church anymore yeah do you just a sidebar do you have any type of religious affiliation now because i know when it comes to christianity there's so many different attitudes within different sects i'm spiritual at this mm -hmm. point i would consider myself agnostic i believe i believe that like we're all connected we are all part of something bigger than ourselves um, and I think people should be open to exploring different religions and their beliefs. But for me, I, I draw the line at like it hurting other people. Yes. And for me, it just reached a point where I was like, if I continue to stay a part of this organization, I feel like I'm hurting other people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I understand that. Going back to something that you said, um, so many people do jump to conclusions. And I think that I think that everyone is guilty of it. And they jump to those conclusions and they're told one thing and then they shut off their mind to anything else. And I, I, I know that so many of our problems, this one included, would not be problems if people were just willing to have conversation, you know, Absolutely. like 100%. Like, OK, um, the only the only controversial book I can think of off the top of my head is Pink is for Boys. Um. And and people saying, oh, trying to make our boys feminine. And, and then you open the book and it's like pink is for boys and girls and the 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 flowers that you see outside. Blue is for girls and boys and for the sky that shines down light on us. Like for everyone, like you, you see the title, you see the cover, you hear someone make some nonsense comment about it. And then you shut yourself off to that whole genre you even will be like, I mean, and, and then you open the book 
it's about learning colors, you know? And it would be, there are a lot of people that are willing to have those conversations, but a lot more people that are just fearful. And I think that's what it is, right? A lot of, a lot of, all, this is coming from fear. Fear And you know what that fear is? Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. I think for everyone, maybe it's a little bit different. I think innately as human beings, we tend to fear things that we are unfamiliar with or that are different than us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of it, though, is just rooted in ignorance mm-hmm. and ego and an unwillingness to hear other people out. So, so before we move on to our next topic, what... What are some like helpful criteria that you could give to parents that are buying books for their kids that they want to be inclusive? What are some things that we can look out for? So all books, all children's books, if you open, it's usually it's either going to be in the front inside cover or the back cover. um, Or sometimes it's even on the very back. It will give you the age range for that child. Um, And then like board books, typically for like five and under. Some of them you can still, so that's kind of something you can like look at. And I don't really recommend non-board books. This is what a typical board book looks like. Oh, I have that same one. Kim's books. Yes. Yeah. So these you can hand to a toddler and, you know, they still have the capacity to destroy it, but they can hold it and harder. practice reading and yeah it's cute um then you have like stuff like this that at first glance might seem like it's for a little little kid um these are called cooking a book uh it's an interactive book they're really cool i keep making i keep meaning to make a video about it but this one's called cooking a book tacos and it has stuff that you can interact with like this moves And, like, they're cooking the taco meat. But then it has pieces that come out. So good for developing motor skills. I love these for kindergartners. These are fantastic. I also like to remind parents that if your kindergartner is struggling with learning how to write, um, not to freak out about that, but just to be practicing skills, like even playing with Play-Doh is helpful for them to develop the muscles in their hands mm-hmm. but that's something i have parents that'll come in and they're worried that their kid can't read in kindergarten and i'm like well we learned how to read in kindergarten and some kids don't learn how to read until first grade so i think i felt confident reading until third honestly yeah, yeah so take the pressure off i need to take the pressure off would you remember um what was that hooked on phonics that was my jam we did AR. We did AR points. Oh, I did AR too. Yeah. So once I did hooked on phonics and like that le- helped me learn how to read. I was an AR points pro. I mean, there were some kids in my class that were like slamming down those Harry Potter books and getting like seventy two points a month. But I was so I was I was just ravenous for them. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about parenting because you have positively impacted me in so many ways. Huh. And I distinctly remember this was a long time ago. And it was the first time I was exposed to this. Um, you said you don't let your daughter have sleepovers. 
And I was like, hmm, why would someone not want their kid to have a sleepover? I had tons of sleepovers. And the more I thought about it, the more it obviously, and I actually talked about it in my friend group recently, um, and we were all on the same page, like, yeah, that is kind of kind of sketchy if they're not people that you know very well and trust and, you know, have grown up with and such. And that comment is what made me really enjoy listening to you because there's so much intentionality that you put in to raising your daughter and so many things that you choose to do that I would not have thought of otherwise. And I really, I really appreciate the fact that you take so much time to think about things that seem small and then integrate those into the way that you're raising your daughter. And I've, I've been following your model for a long time. And I wanted to know Thank if you, you could speak on that. Absolutely. Like the sleepover part? I whole thing with sleepovers. My daughter does participate in sleepovers now. But it's because she's almost eight years old and has the vocabulary to tell me if something's wrong. And we're not just letting her go to anybody's house. Um but the thing with sleepovers is even if you're ch- you trust the parents and you send your child over, you don't necessarily know who else is going to be there. Uh, so if they have siblings, um, you know, and those siblings are having a sleepover, especially if they're older siblings, um, that's just another external factor that you might not know about or think about. And until your child can advocate for themselves and tell you anything that's going on, um, it's just something I'm cautious about. How did you start teaching your daughter to use language about about things that might have felt uncomfortable? Did you have a sit down conversation about like what red flags might be? This has been a continuous conversation since she was a baby. Okay. So, um, we have always used the correct names for body parts, even like as a toddler, like just to, they shouldn't be uncomfortable words. Right. They're literally just talking about their anatomy. Um, I taught her at an early age how to clean her own body and everywhere she needs to. Um, that also helps reduce risk. I would never let anyone else give her a bath. Mm-hmm. That isn't like a, an immediate family member. Oh. That's just a precaution that I took. Um, and then we would talk about, we talked about private areas and about how no one's allowed to touch us there. And like, I taught her how to like yell. We practiced it. This is when she was like three. Oh, that must have been so fun for her. She was yelling. She was like, okay, like why? <laughs> like, oh, okay. Don't worry about it. Um, but then by the time she was five, I had found the book Only For Me by Michelle Derrig, and it I have it pinned to the top of my TikTok account. And it is the most straightforward, covers everything book. Like all the different ways a child could be exposed to um harm. Mm-hmm. Bodily harm. <laughs> And then beyond that, like at this point, like that, we just talk about it a lot. And I still read that book with her at least once a month. Oh, that's great. I'm like, hey, just to remember. Yeah. 
So do you all, I'm sure around all of this, you also started teaching her about boundary setting. Yes. So can you tell me how, how you did that and how, and what, what is it like when, if she sets boundaries with you? Oh, she, she has set, she started setting boundaries with people when she was like five. She's very, she's very like, don't touch me. Or like, I told you to stop. Like, sensual. I love it. Um, but I think we, my husband and I are a really good team. We're, we're really on the same page with how we parent. And so anytime, just, I started with tickling actually. Oh, so, yeah. um, anytime we tickle her and she asked us to stop, we stopped the first time right away. And we just reinforced that. And then once she got to an age where she was pushing boundaries, um, and was doing, getting like right up in our face or like trying to, you know, do stuff that she shouldn't have necessarily been doing. Um, I was able to say, Hey, like we respect each other's bodies and we hear each other's nose. I think the phrase we hear each other's nose is one of my most common phrases with my child and the kids I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is important for them to know that you stop the first time. And it's important for them to know that when they tell someone to stop, that they need to do that as well. Um, she recently set a boundary with friends this year. Uh, she has a lot of friends at school, which is like a great thing. Yeah. But she was having friends that were getting upset with her for not playing with them at recess. And so she like divided up her schedule for the week. <laughs> she came along and it's like, she's like, on Mondays, I hang out with Anna. On Tuesdays, I hang out with Samantha and Catherine and like so on and so forth. popular lady and she she just told them like she's like i'm allowed to have more than one friend and that's what she told told them she's like i i can play with everybody and if you guys don't want to play the same game as me that's okay we can play your game next so i feel like really proud of that that like she's able to i don't know she's like i'm very biased but i feel like she's so smart uh she sounds like she's very mature She's funny. She actually, another thing she and her best friend did this past year. So at their school, if you bring, if you send your kid to school with peanut butter, that kid has to go sit at the peanut table. So they don't isolate the kids with the food allergies, which I think is good. Yeah. Um, They've tried to make it a nut-free school. Um, She started telling us last year, she was like, so can you send me with peanut butter and jelly instead of sun butter? And I was like, okay are you okay with sitting by yourself she's like yeah i'm good it's like okay you really love her and then i talked i'm really good friends with this other little girl's mom like mom besties and i was like yeah lila's been having me make her peanut butter sandwiches and kyla goes oh my god she goes for the past two weeks i've been sending samantha to school with like peanut butter crackers did they just because they had assigned seating at lunch so they plotted together to sit at the peanut table and they were people in it they're so smart and so <laughs> their teacher noticed too and i love her she's amazing 
Um, and she was just like, I'm honestly kind of proud of them. Yeah. It's so we exploit the loophole. Well, and my husband is definitely one to find the loopholes. So I'm like, it checks out. Like, but she's she's definitely a rule follower, but she will find the loophole. <laughs> she also like I I I mean, people give gentle parenting such a bad I don't know. I, I think they make assumptions that it is permissive parenting. Uh-huh. And like I think I wonder if people actually enjoy their kids. Because we're at a point where, like, yeah. she will do something and she'll come tell me that she did it. She's just like, so I accidentally, like, spilled whatever and, like, yeah. I couldn't clean it up by myself. Can you help me? Like, she's just not going to get in trouble because everyone makes mistakes. I just don't understand how, like, yelling at a child in that situation is at all helpful. So... I feel like it establishes, like, an open line of communication between you and your child. And I feel, like, sad for parents who, like, don't have that. Because this is such a fun age right now. You know what? I have a lot to say about what you just said. And I'm glad that you brought it up because I wanted to discuss it anyway. In regards to having fun with your kids, um, I am so blessed that I'm in a group of girls where we are all having kids. Um... I don't, did I tell you, I was talking to someone before this and we, so all my friends have kids and then there are five other girls in my group, four or five, and they're all pregnant and they're all due within two months. So we will have 11 babies in our friend group by August. That is one. Between, between two to fresh, fresh out the womb. So, and it's a group of women who are like motherhood is so cool my kid is so cool every stage just gets better you love this now for this reason and of course there's challenges with every stage as they learn new things but you also get to see their personality and you get to see them finally interact and communicate with you and you get to see them interact with the world and see so much beauty and then I also have friends who are the only ones that have babies and don't have friends to lean on and don't have are, they don't have a village and they their motherhood is so and this doesn't have to do with um punish like the punishment conversation we were having but they are so consumed with anxiety and and fear and because they don't have that community, their postpartum period is just atrocious and they're really suffering. And it is really sad to see so many people who, because of these various reasons that you brought up and that I brought up, don't get to enjoy their kids and don't get to enjoy motherhood and don't get to enjoy that relationship building that they could be because it's so magical. And our kids teach us so much. They do. And I, I, it's hard there. I mean, it is, I feel very privileged to be surrounded by the women I am surrounded with. They approach motherhood in such an intentional way. Mm -hmm. And it really does feel like we all show up for each other. Like if someone, you know, if someone's kids melting down, cool, I'm coming to your house. Um, Or like you need to cancel because, you know, they're having a meltdown that's okay like 
we can work around it. Um, so I feel, or people who don't have family nearby, we don't have family nearby, but I created that family through friends. Um, yeah, I don't think that you're able to fully enjoy your kids when you don't have support, when you're doing it all by yourself, essentially. I think that, like you said, I think that must feel so isolating. Oh, I, um, I'm an only child. And my mother and I were really close and are really close. There's a lot there. I think I might be codependent. There are boundaries crossed, okay. whatever. But it's okay. Good hours. I, I, I tell my therapist, Regina, like we all fuck up our kids some way. They do the, we do the best that we can. And like, it's fine. We're working on it now. And she's a great human being. Um, but there, you know, the line between mother and best friend was non-existent. And sometimes that was a benefit. But I want to know how you develop an open line of communication with your daughter. Um, because I think one of the reasons why I was such a was such a good kid is because I could I knew that I could always go to my mom to talk to her about sex or what I was doing or parties or alcohol. And she was always a safe space for me. But I know that that can also be very sticky um, if you don't have that clear line of mother-child. And mm -hmm. it can end up being something where someone takes advantage of something else or there's like way too much permissiveness and, and dangerous. So I want to know how you toe that line and how you develop a commun open, open line of communication with your daughter so that she trusts you and knows that you're a safe space and knows that she can approach you without judgment while also being able to express, you know, boundaries and what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just from the get-go, um, I decided that I wanted to do related consequences or natural consequences. So if she, for example, the most recent example, she drew all over her sheets and pens, which I'm like, I would think they're past this at this age. Right. I would. Um, and, you know, I was like, hey, and this is she actually didn't point this out to me right away. Um, but then she was like, hey, um. I accidentally, which it really wasn't, I don't think an accident, drew on my, I don't think she was thinking about it when she did it. I think it was just an impulsive thought that she acted on, um, which I can't blame her. It's developmentally appropriate. Uh, so I handled that by going, hey, girlfriend, we're not going to have writing utensils in the bedroom for a while. Um, and I'm going to need you to come with me to help spot treat your sheets. Yeah. And so girlfriend went down and she spot cleaned her sheets and she started the washing machine with me and that was it. I think I think that you can either approach a child's behavior and actions as a learning experience and a teaching experience or you can or you can freak out at them, which definitely will make you them scared of you. Right. If that's what you're going for. And some parents are. They want their kids to be afraid of them. And I don't want my child to be afraid of me. So we've just always approached it. I don't yell either. So I, I've always, it's just naturally, it 
me slow down. It's pretty natural for me to approach any child with a very like calm and understanding demeanor. Um, so it really wasn't hard for me to do that in parenting okay. because I was a really good kid in high school. Actually, my whole childhood, I was a really good kid, but it was out of fear, not out of, not out of like, oh, and I was told that I could talk to them about anything, but like, I was never told about sex. I had to find that out at church where I was told that, um, if you do anything along the lines of that, you're a used up candy bar. You're a half eaten candy bar. Is that what they said? Oh, okay. okay. So you're well, <laughs> so let me give you a couple of examples. Purity culture is quite harmful. Let me write down the series. But <laughs> you can call me Kate, okay? So, yeah. Can you explain to me like any recent or events that stick out in your mind where you've had like a really positive experience or story with your daughter as a result of the way that you're parenting and you're like oh my gosh I am I am realizing everything that I've been working toward I have a lot of moments where I'm like oh you're a better person than me like you're a lot better person than me um one time this is last year but um we were in the car driving I don't remember where we're going but she saw a sign that said yard sale. And she was like, what's a yard sale? Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, oh, it's where you put stuff out in your front yard and sell it. And then my husband was like, or when you wipe out skiing, you can say yard sale. Because uh, we let us know word and she skis. And he thought that was really funny. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like if someone, like when they wipe out and they lose all their gear, you can say yard sale. And she got a thing. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, which I snowboard, so I don't, I'm not as into the skiing part, but um, she goes, she goes, oh, no, I can't say that. And Rob goes, why? Uh, like, what, what's wrong? And she goes, well, that might hurt their feelings. That might embarrass them. I don't want to make them feel embarrassed. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then I was like, you're right. You're right. Like, we won't say that anymore. And she was like, and then my husband was like, well, if I wipe out, you can say it to me. And then she's like, okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she's just like, I mean, she says, she just says things that, like, I want to be like, can you say this to everyone? Like, this should be so obvious. Just, like, Aww. taking care of people. And... Um, she anytime she sees someone on a motorcycle or a bike and they don't have a helmet on in the back seat to herself in the car she will whisper to herself i hope you stay safe just like to herself because she's worried about other people getting hurt and i don't know i just think that she's like such a cool kid at their school it's not just her though I feel like, at least at her school with her classmates, these have got to be the most, like, inclusive kids I've ever met. They have a, it's called, like, need a buddy bench. 
So at recess, if you don't have anyone to play with, you can go sit on the be a buddy bench and someone will come get you. And they do. These kids will like swarm over and they're like, let's go. And they're like, it's it's really special. And it does give me a lot of hope yeah, for our children and their generation. I'm glad that you're seeing that too. I was also, I'm also feeling a lot of hope in that regard. Um, I mean, I was teaching high schoolers, so that was kind of like farther from the generation that I'm talking about. But I was talking to one of my coworkers yesterday about her son who's in middle school and he's like athletic and, you know, one of our, what we would call like a cool, a cool sports guy, you know, <laughs> and he started learning how to play chess and he thinks it's so cool. And the mom was telling me how how shocked she was. Um, she's like, where did this interest in chess come from? And and he was talking about all the other guys that he's learning to play chess with. And they're also like the quarterbacks or like the starters on the lacrosse team. And I just am loving that it seems. It seems like kids these days don't really subscribe to um these like social stereotypes, gender stereotypes—they're very much like I like it, and it's cool. And um, I I'm I'm feeling a lot of hope that there's less boxes in the generations coming up, and much more much more freedom and liberation in in who people are and how they're relating to themselves and the roles that they're playing in the world. Yeah. Can I ask the okay. five fun questions? Great. <laughs> so my first question is, what is your favorite fiction book for children? That might be quite controversial. Children? Yeah. What? Oh, what's my favorite controversial children's book? Yes. That's like a fiction that. book. Because I know that you mentioned the uh, the body book a lot. Yeah. Yeah. One but that's just like a... That's, informa- that's more like informational. So is there a fun one that is controversial that you have an inclination toward? I feel like a lot of them are really fun. Um, it's so hard. For- so I have 2,000 children's books. That's a fun fact. Fun fact. Uh, my house qualifies as a library. By definition. That's so cool. <laughs> and, um, goals. Yeah, which is why I do, like, don't have an Amazon list or anything linked because I don't know where to start on, like, all of the books. Um, for, like, a controversial one, the one that I don't get that, like, people get upset about is Jul- Julian is a Mermaid. Okay. And it's just, like, about a little boy who's, like, with his grandma and, like, the words don't even address it. It's beautifully illustrated. So I always think it's so funny when people are like, this is controversial. It's because he like wears like a dress, I think. Oh. He dresses up as a mermaid. And it's a super fun, whimsical book, beautifully illustrated. Um, and people get so mad about it. So I think that's, yeah. That sounds like And I have a lot of other like books I don't share that are really fun books that are not controversial. Oh. Nibbles the Book Monster kids love that okay it's very interactive books so it's a really long one to get through so i'm always like maybe don't have this as your bedtime book unless you're trying to have okay. like, a very long bedtime <laughs> uh, 
But they also, I think that author also made some board books that are just like counting. And it's just like the little, he's a little book monster. So I think that one's super fun. But I just have like categories of books okay. that I rotate. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite scent? My favorite scent? That's a good question. I know. And it's I odd. like teak wood. Oh, that's very specific. Yes. Yeah. Good choice. So it's um, very like um earthy. Woodsy. Mm-hmm. Um the perfume I'm wearing right now kind of has like floral, like uh-huh. subtle floral scents to it. But yeah, I don't know. Um, what is your favorite activity that you've done in forest school or your favorite lesson? That is so hard. That's so hard. We do so many fun things. Um, I really enjoy getting to hatch chicks every spring. That's wow, a, a beautiful experience for the kids to have. And I, so my mom did this growing up. I've only done this a couple of times. Um, but there's so many families in my area. I live in up in kind of like the rural mountains. And um, what was I going to say? Chicks. Did your mom write at chicks with yes. you? So I know that like once we hatch them, there's going to be a family to take them. And this oh. most recent time, it was the student's family. One student's family took wow. the chicks. So they get to candle the eggs. And we talk about, that's a, a common reoccurring theme in forest school is life cycles. Yeah, I imagine. So we observe, we observe all of that. Um, we always uh, have a spot by a creek that we go back and visit at least once a week and I have the kids write what they see or like draw a picture because they're not really fully writing yet and we revisit that and so they as the seasons change because it doesn't matter what weather it is we're going to be outside unless there's lightning um or like crazy crazy wind uh and they get to see how that same spot changes over the course of a year and that's such a cool thing um getting to we got to talk with a park ranger um about the different edible flowers and the medicinal i'm fascinated by that thank you for teaching kids that if you are at trader joe's what is something that you just like always have to buy flowers oh they do always buy flowers at trader joe's and then my last question is, are you a farmer's market girly? Yes. You have First, a good local farmer's market. Oh, twice. You were committed. So, whoa. So like, it's hard. Well, and I, I would go to more, but I like to stay married. So I'm going to not spend all of our, uh, our money at that farmer's market, I guess. But um, the one in Evergreen is really good which is up by me and there is in golden colorado the golden farmer's market is one of my favorite farmer's markets i've ever been to i would probably if i had to do it all over again i'd probably live in golden colorado okay and the cutest town like the best restaurants um yeah so i love farmer's markets what about you are you are you a farmer's market girly i'm not 
in a habit of going every week, even though it's less than a mile away from me, but I have gone and I do love them because something that's just really important to me is supporting small local businesses and creators. And so I try to support that as much as possible when it comes to the food that I eat or like the jewelry and crystals that I buy. Um, But same thing with my marriage. Like I could spend so much money on the local mushroom guy and the elderberry syrup that's locally made and like the the tinctures that I have from local farms and the wildflower bouquets. Oh, I do that's love it. them. Um, thank you so much for being here today. I know that we're going to have multiple more, a couple more conversations, which are going to be so of value to my friends. So I really appreciate now and in the future, all of the the vulnerability you'll share and all of the wisdom that you're going to be able to bless my my listeners with. You're so sweet. Thank you so much. This sounds like such a fun thing. I This is cool to get to share more context and information than I could normally do in a short TikTok video. Yeah. And I love being able to have that conversation and allow that platform and just like talk to you because I think you're cool. Thank you so much for joining me this week for this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode or you enjoy the podcast in general, I would love for you to subscribe so you'll never miss out on upcoming episodes featuring other brilliant minds and insightful topics. Also, don't forget to rate and review while you're at it. Your ratings and feedback mean the world to me and help me reach more listeners. So, Misty and loves you. Have the best day ever. Same time next week. Bye.